Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast. Today is Thursday, August 27th, 2020, Yoga Week, day four. Today, I'm joined by Jamie and Scott Herrig to talk about Ashtanga Yoga. Jamie and Scott run the AOP, or Ashtanga Open Practice, at Pure Yoga in New York City. My wife, Michal, became a regular in their practice a few years ago and was there about six days a week until Corona took over. Jamie and Scott explain what exactly is Ashtanga Yoga, how they got into it, how it's unique, and why it's both challenging but also an amazing way for anyone to improve their yoga practice. Tomorrow, I am super excited to be joined by my daughter, Kira Fox, also a yoga instructor, to talk about yoga, giving back. That'll be day five of Yoga Week. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. All right, I'm here with Jamie and Scott Herrig, who are yoga instructors and masters of Ashtanga yoga practice, and they're currently my wife's physical and spiritual advisors, it seems to be. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Doing pretty good. Welcome aboard. Yeah, so I got you guys as you've escaped to Vermont during the, the quarantine. How, how has that all been going for you guys just in general? I mean, you went from having this, you know, studio practice of people coming to your room every day and then it, and everyone's like, go home, close the door, close the windows. How, how's that working? It's been a pretty huge shock at first. We, you know, basically, but in terms of exercise, I went from averaging 10 miles a day of walking all the way down to one or two. Yeah. So there was two months in there where we just, we really locked down. We're right in the Midtown, New York City, Upper West Side, actually, but it's close to Midtown. He went out to the store. I pretty much didn't leave the apartment for two months with the kids. Right. So that was a huge, huge change. And it was slow at first. The studio, we got word, I think it was about two weeks before it happened. Right. It's a big uh, yoga program that Franca Yoga is very physical. When you're in the room, there's a lot of assisting going on where you're hands on with people. So about two weeks before we closed, they said, stop touching. Right. So we started to have to figure out how to do things without touching. And then it, you know, and then it became, now we're doing it on Zoom without right. touching. And, we, <laughs> and we, we, turned, we basically took our living room and turned it into a yoga studio so that we could start doing um, sort of platform classes for what we call the strong open practice or the AOP mm-hmm. so that people can, you know, join us for whatever amount they can afford and they can take classes whenever they want, whether they're live or we pretty much record all of the classes we do. Yeah, we record all but you can come live or you can do the recording on your own. But yeah, it's been a humongous change. <laughs> this everyone being at home and the lockdown, I mean, there's a, a silver lining, obviously, in that it sort of opened up people's opportunities to exercise from home and do yoga from home and have, you know, there's more people may have access to you now that it's online versus in person. But okay, so you sort of increase your, I guess, your width, but the depth is reduced by so much because you, like you said, you don't have that personalized attention. You can't actually go up and adjust them. You don't have that. Just being next to someone is so much more motivating potentially than being seeing them on a screen. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I I mean, I can't imagine for you guys when you're used to what you're doing. The hardest thing I think is I, we don't have that many, but it's the newer people 
coming in, which it is a great thing that it is super accessible right now. So you could come on and potentially with our site, it's like you're paying $12 a month. It's pretty affordable, the lowest, you know, and then it's what you can pay. So you can pay more. But the new people coming in, some of the people who have been with us for years, there's such a community feeling. So even on Zoom, it's kind of come into the Zoom where it's like people are watching and helping each other in the open practice sessions and it is. It does still have a community feel, but it's a lot harder to introduce a new person into a community when you're not seeing them in person. Yeah, listen. I mean, I remember when I had my, I had like a, a week of vacation, and I came with Michal to, you know, to practice every day, and I did Ashtanga, and it was, I mean, it was basically I was like one on one with you, Scott, pretty much every day of that week, and I can't imagine how I could have possibly done anything. I mean, I guess I could have done something, but it just would have been so much harder to do that over a Zoom session rather than in person. And so, you know, for for Michal, like, okay, like it's it's different, but she since she does it on her own so much, it would maybe reduce it like I don't know, ten to twenty percent. But for me, it would have reduced it like ninety percent the effectiveness. The, the other thing too, though, Nate, is that at, at first it was really really hard for us, starting from teaching with our hands to teaching with our eyes, basically. Not that we did before, so it was rough. But now as time has gone by, I feel like we've gotten really good at it. Yeah. Starting to figure out how, how getting easier for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have no images on your computer screen. You can watch everyone. That's the thing that's unique about Ashtanga is everybody memorizes the practice. Right. But you do have these lead classes that are similar to your like vinyasa class that you would take where you're you're calling the poses off and everyone's doing the same thing. But the majority of the practice is self practice. You're just doing it with a teacher overseeing. So right. as a teacher right now, you know, when it gets above 15 Zoom boxes, you have 15 different little boxes of people doing different things. And then the more people you get, the smaller the Zoom box gets. Right. <laughs> it's a little, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new challenge. Yeah. We partner a lot up through that too. I've also noticed those as well as getting better with the, the teaching on, on the online is also the numbers you can tell that people are starting to enjoy it more and more because the numbers are starting yeah. to grow in the classroom which is really nice to see yeah and seeing people who haven't seen in you know four or five months and like oh hey it's so good to see you yeah i think that yeah i think that people enjoy it more and i think also when this first started everyone's like all right i'll take two months off and then everything will go back to normal and then people realize well it's going to be quite a while i gotta like if i'm not doing this online i'm not doing it at all and i realize i just got to jump in and do it and uh, listen, I think one of the advantages is is this is what you do. I mean, you like this is what you do. And so, yeah, it's a different medium in which you're doing it. But ultimately, you know, the practice is something you guys are experts at. And so, you know, you're going to be able to adjust. And it's just about everyone else figuring out how to adjust with you and, and you know, and just move forward until this till this ends, whenever, whenever the hell that's going to be. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, one of the, you know, you could say one of the backbones to Shana Yoga is teaching students how they can teach themselves the yoga. Yeah. So they so they get to the point where they don't necessarily need a teacher all the time. Right. They can practice on their own. Teach a man to fish. <laughs> there's there is one there's one specific posture that we have been that is very commonly helped and it's a it's a very difficult posture. And we've had about five people since in the past month really right. do it on their own at home. And I, I, I'm not sure if that all would have like happened in the room the way it happened at home, because it was a lot of energy that happened on the computer. One person saw the other person do it. Okay, I'm going to try. You could feel it. 
kind of like spread. It has been fun. I'm not sure if Zoom yoga will go away when in-person yoga comes back. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be sort of an infusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, that makes a lot of sense. We've seen that it's a totally different realm, but we've seen that in medicine. A lot of the visits became virtual, which similarly has more accessibility, wider reach. You know, it's more availability potentially. And there's a definite downside. You can't do physical examination. You don't get that eye to eye contact. It's maybe less personal. And so, but because of the advantages, I agree, we're going to, that's something that's going to stay in some capacity for most people's doctor visits or medical practices, and hopefully we'll get the best, be able to synthesize the best of both worlds to end up in a better place, you know, certainly better than now, but in a better place in general that when this all, you know, is behind us, hopefully we'll be able to take the good parts of what we learned and sort of just add them into what we had before. We also have another like bonus is we have people from other countries that were with us years ago that have come back. We had somebody this morning from California. There's multiple people all over right. this country. Right. You know, California is not a different country. You're aware, even though, even though, even though it may, it may seem that way to those of us in New York, I think they're still in the same union of these states. True. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> well, but we, did, we have a girl from Guatemala. I mean, there are really, there's, there's a bunch of people from all over that we hadn't seen in years. So just to take a step back, how, how did you guys get into yoga? Just, Yoga. Forget about Ashtanga for now. Just how did you get into yoga initially? What, what's your What's your story? My story is kind of funny, but I, I was actually started dating. This was right after I got out of racing mountain bike. I started dating a yoga teacher. So she, you know, talked me to go into her classes, and then I'd, I'd go to her classes, and I would watch, you know, other people in the room doing things I couldn't do. And at the time, I was um, before the yoga. I was a professional mountain bike racer, so it was very competitive. Right. So this, I, I got to be able to do this. This guy can do this. I can do this. So then I started practicing. And, um, yeah. When, when was, how long ago was this? Oh, my God. <laughs> we figured this out the other day. I want to say it was like 1997. Okay. All right. So it's, 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 that's the 20 plus years ago. If I did my yeah. math right. Yeah. And Jamie, Jamie, what about you? His, his story is. Do you want to finish? I guess that goes into the astronomy part. So also, I started, I think it was about 1999. I was a dancer uh, as a kid, I did a lot of musical theater. And my hips, I was, you know, 18, 19, and I had really bad tendonitis in my hips. And I thought, I remember being that age, being like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm just going to feel like this for the rest of my life. And being, you know, I love dancing, but I was pretty sad about that I, I was in so much pain at such a young age. And the first thing I did was a Vikram series, which was kind of nice because I was used to having the mirror in front of me and looking at my own form. And, you know, that was a little similar. And then the next thing I did was teacher from Jibamukti was teaching two classes a week at a Gold's Gym, which was probably around 2001 at that point. And it was a really dark room. And that was that was the first time I think that, you know, it, I, did, I wasn't looking in the mirror. It wasn't about the form. And I really went inside and fell in love with the practice because it was physical. And I was still using that physicality that I'd fallen in love with, with dance. But I went inside and started facing a lot of my own inner demons and, and then feeling my body, my hips. I don't have problems. But I, I really, between that class and the waltzing session I did at the same time, that really helped my hips. And I, I can say right now at the age of 39 that I'm as pain-free as I've ever been in my entire life. And I do some crazy, I do some crazy yoga things. Um, yeah. I have a lot of 
my body, but it's, it, you know, it's great. I'm like this age and I'm still having a blast. And how did, how did you two meet? Jane, Jamie was my yoga student. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and and did I, you, I, I walked in, so I had, I, this is kind of funny because I wasn't really, you know, I do a lot of crazy physical yoga now up until we, right before we met, I think Instagram yoga started becoming like a thing. And I saw all these images of people doing, you know, handstands and foot behind the head and all this sort of stuff. And I've been doing yoga for years at that point. And I'm like, why can't I do this? Like, I didn't care that much, but I was more just like, I've been doing it for so many years. Why don't I, why didn't I learn that yet? And so, and I think it was probably Kino McGregor, you know, and I was like, Ashtanga, Ashtanga, Ashtanga. I'm like, what is this Ashtanga thing? You know? So I, that's really where it was, what brought me into Ashtanga open practice was I, and I walked, I had done my research. So I walk in, most people don't come in like this, I don't think. I walked in and it's in my first day and he's like when are you uh when will i see you again and i'm like well i'll be here six days a week you know i i'll take off on saturday or whatever day and and then i took the oil bath they came in the next day after the day off and i was like all slicked up in oil he's like you really did your research here <laughs> you're, you're you're jumping right in and so, and this was at, this was at the pure ashtanga this was at the pure aop yes yes right and scott how long when did you how did you get into Ashtanga? For, I know you said you entered yoga purely out of spite because you didn't want other people being able to do it when you couldn't. And then once you sort of got got past that, well, when did you get into Ashtanga? Long story short, I was supposed to meet her name, Stephanie, at a, a yoga place in Boulder. And I ended up in the wrong studio in Boulder. It happened to be Richard Freeman's studio. So I walked into the room and it was a Mysore room, which is the same as the open practice. And, you know, Mary walked up to me and sat me down. And next thing I know, Richard was working with me. And I noticed a lot of time had gone by and my girlfriend's time was not there. And I realized I was probably in the wrong space, but I completely fell in love with it. It was amazing. Right. And did you get certified as a yoga instructor before you did the Ashtanga or that was sort of, you got more into yoga and you sort of did it at the same time? No, that was after. So you, so you're already like, you know, doing yoga regularly, you're a yoga instructor, and then you got turned on to Ashtanga. Six months into me practicing yoga, I met this guy who wanted to open up a yoga studio. This was in Colorado, mm -hmm. and it was the Dharma Center. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he told me, he asked me if I wanted to be a business partner with him. Because at the time, the doctor told me that, you know, I can't race anymore. I've had too many concussions. Um, <laughs> so I was like, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> I, I worked with Frank and uh, we got the studio ready to open and stuff. And then I was going through a breakup and Frank told me that because this was the morning that we we're supposed to open, that because I was having relationship problems, that I had to teach for free for two weeks. <laughs> because... No, that was the second time. No, the first time he called me at midnight. Excuse me. Right. And he, he called me and told me I'd get to the Dharma Center right away. I'm not kidding. This was the first time. I, I worked with the guy twice. And he called me. I'm like, yeah, what's going on, Frank? He's like, it's an emergency. You got to get over here. So I ride my bike over you know, to the Dharma Center real quick. And he's out there in his underwear running around the Dharma Center with a burning stage telling me if there was fairies trying to get into the Dharma Center. Right. And, and, and you're the one with the, with the concussive brain injuries. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, well, maybe, 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 it's all, maybe it's all made up. Maybe it's just like a, you know, uh, you know. But one one but he, one concussion too many, Scott. Right, but he told me that you know if I wanted to be part of the studio that I need to do a teacher training. So six months into my practice, I joined a teacher training, and then I want to say it was probably two weeks into the teacher training, and Stephanie's mom unfortunately got sick in New York City, so she had to fly back. 
So all of a sudden I had to teach I was 15 some classes by myself because I was sort of mentoring underneath her and I couldn't even touch my own knees at the time. <laughs> so it was, it was quite the shock. But the, the strongest thing, I want to say that was probably I think like 22 years I've been teaching it now. Wow. Maybe so, longer. Okay. So the majority so of the time. That's a huge majority. For our listeners who aren't yogis and don't know, or maybe those who are and don't really understand, can you just maybe explain what, what exactly, you know, what is Ashtanga, Mysore, are they different, are they same? Like, what exactly is it? How did it start? You know, how would you sort of, you know, explain it to somebody who's a beginner? Ashtanga literally means eight limbs. So it encompasses all eight limbs of yoga. Those limbs are, you know, from the breathing practice, which is known as pranayama, the yamas, niyamas, it's just a bunch of different stuff. So the asana, which most people do, is the, the physical practice. Krishnamacharya. Krishnamacharya. This is actually his system. He developed this system in Mysore, India. Well, I can't tell you the exact date, but he did because Mysore was the last little spot in India that the British hadn't colonized or taken over. And so the Maharaja of Mysore, India, was, was sick at the time, and he was having these different yogis come and try to heal him. And Krishnamacharya came and actually healed him. So he told him he wanted him to set up a school in the Mysore Palace and wanted him to also train an army to fend off the British. So what he did is he came up with this Ashtanga system that we use today and created to make these guys sort of yoga warriors. So basically, so it's a very the sequence practice. is, yeah, it's a super, super physical practice. The, um, the first the first sequence, the, see, there's there's three major sequences. The first one's the primary series, which is all about sensing the digestive system. So it's a lot of twisting and grounding, that sort of work. And then the second series is all about the nervous system, right? So it's like nerve sensing, lots of back bends and that type of stuff. And then the third series is all about balance. And so, so some of these questions I'm answering, I know the answers to, and some of them I don't, so I won't tell you which ones. There's these series, but my understanding is within the series, like in series one, series two, series three, whoever is doing an Ashtanga practice is doing the same thing, A, every day, meaning when you start, you know, you go as far as you can go, basically, and you're doing the same thing as the person next to you. You may not start at the same time, but you're ultimately doing the same sequence of events or of moves, correct? For a majority of the rule, I would say yes. Correct. I think that everybody comes into the room has different sort of ailments going on. And sometimes when someone has an injury, like let's say it's a back related injury or something, we will not have them start in the primary series. We'll actually have them start in the second series so that they can help strengthen the front side of the body to take care of the back. Right. But in theory. Yeah, to a degree. But there's also recipes, which is basically where some people take some of the stuff from the first series, right? And some of the stuff from the second, some of the stuff from the third, just sort of create this sort of balance. Or cross-training, I guess you could say. There's, I don't know how far you want to get into this, but among Ashtanga, there is different ways Ashtanga is taught. Oh, no, we're, we're going into this deep dive, definitely. What we started, what we, he was talking about, Krishnamacharya, right? So he was the teacher of, now this is kind of fascinating, not just Patabi Joyce, who helped develop this system, but also Iyengar, right? So those are like the two real big systems that all the Vinyasa stuff is coming off of. Now, so Patabi Joyce develops this, this, you know, they get this very physical system going and he ends up leaving the the legacy. I don't know how you say it, but like his school, it was left to not his son, but his grandson. So his name is Sharad and he teaches a very militant version of this. So that it's like, you're always going to pretty much be doing the same thing. If you can't get into a posture, you stay at that posture until your body opens up and you're able to do it and then you get the next posture so that's 
kind of how that school works. Not always, but it's pretty regimented. Manju Joyce, who is Patabi Joyce's son, teaches very differently. So it's, it's more like you try the posture, you see how it goes, you get into it, you don't. Maybe you skip it if it hurts. Maybe you don't get all the way into the deepest expression. It doesn't stop you. You just keep going. And if you learn it, you keep practicing as much as you want to practice. So it's a lot more of a self-sufficient practice. Like you don't have the teacher telling you what to do quite as much right. as you would at their school. And the first way is more rigid where like you said, if you can't get past a certain or get into or properly do a certain pose, you are basically paused at that point for days, weeks, months, years until you can finally master it. And then you move to the next, whereas the second one, there's a little more leeway with maybe, you know, getting it good enough. And then over time, it'll get better, but you do it, go past it, correct? Yeah, because there's, I mean, the way and we've seen it happen, people will go further into the series, then they'll come back to the pose they were struggling with. And then it's no problem. This is the, the one of the things. So in the stricter school, you're not supposed to go into second series until you can drop back. So basically, you're standing up, you drop back into a back bend, and then you stand back up. Like, that's sort of the gateway to second series. So all of these people that I was telling you had all these breakthroughs on Zoom, they've all been doing the second series for probably two years, about. So they've been doing other postures, and now they're all able to do. I see. And so that's the method that you guys do, the more le- the more lenient one, I guess I would call it? Yeah, I would call it more liberal. Liberal. Okay, that's fair. The thing that happened in Mysore, India, is that at first these guys went there, and Patabi Joyce gave them everything. He didn't right. pull them back from any of the poses. He just let them go. But there was only four or five people in his, you know, shot at the time. Right. But then as it grained popularity and all of a sudden he had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people coming into the shala every day. He had to figure out ways to stop people so that he could teach, you know, keep up with the numbers that were coming in. And that's where he came up with this method of if you can't bind in Richie D, you're stuck there so you can bind. And he knew that that would shorten their practice by, you know, over an hour. When Americans first came there, they you, you talked to them about like, they would have a two-hour practice in the morning and then a two-hour practice at night. I mean, these were, they were kids. Pretty much. They were like 19. But they went through the whole But system. they were learning the whole system, you know, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and and these two sort of philosophies, they're, these two, I guess, they're are they called gurus or what are they called? The, the people who run these now? The, the... That's a whole other conversation. There, there's, there's like a whole, and there's a whole, there's a, a lot of, of, of uh, stuff going on there, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote what Manju said to me once. I asked him about the gurus, and he, he goes, basically, if someone calls himself a guru, run away. They're crazy. Who's the fellow that, that you guys went to Chicago and dragged my wife, or she dragged you? Uh, someone dragged somebody to Chicago for, you know, for three days to train, to, you know, practice with him. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, right. He seemed to have a big smile on his face, at least in the selfies y'all took. Yeah, he is. That's great. <laughs> He's, He's really fun. fun. I would, I I would describe his method of teaching is like he gives you gives you a playground and your these postures these asanas are your toys to learn about yourself. Very free, it's very fun, and it's and no, he doesn't like to be referred to as a guru. <laughs> that's well, uh, that's Shirat, Shirat yeah. Shirat, so the other one, the one is in play right now, but yeah, he actually refers to himself as like the ultimate guru, which is kind of. Uh, you know, part of their culture. So it's not, it's not, no, out of nowhere. It's, it's, it's different ways to look at this. It's not, you know, different people have different angles and that's, that's fine. And so, and so Ashtang, so what is the, at least in your sense, cause you guys both, you know, you both practice this, you both teach it, you both, you know, you're in this world every day. 
What would you say is the big advantage or upside to doing a practice like Ashtanga for someone who's who's you know who's either already into yoga or starting yoga? Like, what what are what are the selling points of it compared to just you know going to classes and you know which are sort of more mixed and varied and what people do and what order they do it in? The system has been around for quite a while, and it and it works. I, I and what I mean by this is if you come in into this practice and you actually start studying it and listening to your body and allowing your body to sort of open up, it works. It heals people. And I've seen. It's not just on a physical level. I think there's something to, even with what we said about like, we give a lot of freedom to people to not, you know, oh, you have to be stuck in this posture. You can't move on. I mean, we, we definitely are like, skip it, but you still have this sequence, even if you're skipping things that you're working with. So you're coming to your mat and you're facing these things and you're facing your reaction to these things on pretty much, even if you're not, it's not a daily basis. Let's say you did it three times a week. It's not a teacher telling you what to do. Not that I don't like these classes, right? But when there's music playing and someone's directing you, you can kind of lose yourself in the movement, which is a nice experience in itself. But when you come to the mat in Ashtanga, you are really, you know, facing your stuff. There's times where, like, Cheney would be practicing. Go ahead. You can throw me on the bus here. And I'm, (laughs) I I have her her baby who was, you know, an infant at the time in the other room, napping her. And all of a sudden I hear yelling and throwing things and all the stuff. And after a while, it gets really quiet. And I get this picture of her in a beautiful bathroom. (laughs) So it's definitely, the, the practice doesn't let you hide. So it's like if you, if so uh, what they say is like uh, your emotions from your past right things that have happened to you throughout your life tend to get stored in the physical body so for you to get past that stuff is you have to let it out you have to let it go you can skip the pose or you know but and I think that's what's kind of fun about the Ashanga this way like I could just skip it or I can face it and I can see what happens if I if I go there yeah, I don't know who told me this once before i don't know if it was the actual doctor or not but told me that the human body is very um, memory oriented so when you go through like traumatic experiences in your life and you start to release those certain muscle groups that that sort of emotion comes back up as you sort of which you see a lot in both back bends and i would say in like deep hip openers you know you can talk to your wife about it too there's definitely like really good days and there are also really bad days in practice but Without the bad days, we'd have good days. Right. And what what would be, let's say, either a disadvantage or or a challenge, you know, for Ashtanga, like in terms, you said, you know, doing it multiple days a week. Like if someone only had one day a week as Ashtanga, just like they're not going to get it or is certain types of body types or is there like who might not be a good candidate to to be practicing Ashtanga? I, you know, I, I, I used to have that sort of belief that, you know, Ashtanga Yoga wasn't for everyone. And then I had different students that came in who were, I, I'm going to use the word broken, like really beat up. And I was just like, wow, how am I going to fix these guys? Or how am I going to help them fix themselves, I should say. And and it worked. And then every time I thought I'd seen like the most broken down person, someone else would show up. Yeah. And, just like, and, wow. and there's a lot of people like in their 70s and 80s that yeah. do it. I mean, it's, it's not... This is a Manju quote. He said, Ashtanga yoga. Oh, gosh. This isn't correct. But basically, he's like, it's a beautiful practice. What you do with it 
might not be so beautiful. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I mean, you're the one who's taking responsibility. <laughs> right. It's like, trying, it's like trying to play Mozart. You know, you may not be good at it, but it's a beautiful song. Yeah. But it's not even like, but it's not good at it in the way of like, it looks pretty. It's it's how, uh, it's a, Ashtanga is a breathing or the, the practice that we're doing on the mat, right? It's really a breathing practice. It looks crazy. There's all this other stuff going on, but it's about the breath and staying focused on the breath and keeping the breath even and steady. So when it becomes about anything else, which it does all the time, <laughs> right? You're losing the essence of the practice. You're always wanting to come back to the breath. And when you do, it's simple. And it's, it's such an interesting place also. I mean, because if you, you know, if you spend time in yoga studios or, you know, places that do yoga, there's obviously, you know, there's basically like three times, uh, taking meditation rooms aside, there's basically three types of spaces. There's either a place where you just sort of see people doing stuff on their own, like they're stre- they found an empty room or whatever. Then you find the classes, like you said, either with music, without music, where people are doing sort of, you know, instructed, like, okay, everyone do this, everyone do this. And and obviously people do it to different degrees and better and worse and, you know, more advanced, less advanced. Okay. And then the Ashtanga room, it's, it's not a class. Like you said, it's an open practice. It's basically like, like studio painting. Like everyone's sort of, even though they're doing the same series and sequence, they start at different times. They go at different speeds, potentially. They're at different levels or different ages, and it's it's and it's a it's usually very quiet usually uh, other than if I'm in the room and you just hear a lot of like groaning and falling and things of that sort those types of noises um, and and what one of the things that you know Michal said to me she goes this is where all the real yogis are like she's like we're all the really really good people at yoga and they're all in that room they they gravitate towards Ashtanga because it is it's quite advanced or it can be quite advanced. Yes, it can be. It can be, and I think it's a very physical practice. But I think it attracts, you know, people who want that. Yeah, I mean, I did yoga for years, like years and years before I came to Ashanga, and it, it. What brought me into it was that I was like, well, how do you do all that? How do you do the crazy yeah. stuff? And I, it's. I mean, it's only been. I've been in it for six years now, and I've gotten. I can do some crazy. But there's crazy things. But Nate, there's also was a growing trend, sadly before. Not sadly, there was a growing trend, but. You know, we close as it was starting to boom, but we were getting a lot of, you know, elderly people coming into the room. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and watching those guys slowly start to grow and stuff, it was really, really cool to see. So we had, you know, people who were doing, you know, standing up, you know, coming up to standing with their foot behind the head, you know, people that were just basically folding over. It's just a lot, you know, a large variety of Well, and seeing the different reactions like from somebody who comes in who's like we said like 70 or 80 who comes in does a couple of sun salutations maybe a modified standing a few seated poses you know and closes and they're just smiling through the entire thing they come in smiling they're smiling they're so happy to be moving you know and then you have these people doing you know upside down foot behind their head stuff so yeah but they're like they can come into a room and they know it's safe yeah, they, they, yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just mean like that's more advanced. Yeah, people who are, are struggling to put their foot behind their head. Yeah, the practices are much more. The contentment that they have is Absolutely. much more advanced. Well, yeah, and it's also it's it's you know they they have typically as people get older they have a lot more discipline. So sometimes when people are younger, maybe they they don't like to do the same thing every day and they want to mix it up and whatnot. And so as you get older, you get more you know, you're more comfortable with sort of regiments and discipline. And 
also, like you said, you go into class, you don't know what to expect. 50% of the stuff they're doing in the class, they may feel like out of sorts. Like if I do this, I'm going to, you know, break my neck. And so if they, they're going through the same series, they know what they can do and where they are. And there's, it's a little bit more predictable for them what's going to happen. And that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, why it would attract people in that age group. You have a question, you just call the teacher yeah. over. Yeah, you Not get a lot of attention. Keep going, you know, it stops for you. I think all that's the advantage of first time you go is all that stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and how many, in that room, you, there's typically how many, you know, teacher instructor types? Is it one, two, three? How many are usually in the room at a time? You mean my assistant? Yeah. It, it, it would depend on the day of the week, but for the most part, I would, there's always at least two people in the room. Right, based on how crowded it is, and 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 you do it starting early in the morning. It it goes all morning, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would go basically from six six to eleven, yeah. and then right around nine fifteen, nine thirty. There's always me and at least two other assistants, sometimes three. Because it would explode. In the there. room, yeah, <laughs> you get thirty, forty people crammed into that room at the same time doing their own thing, which really just becomes like crowd control and safety issues at that point. Like there is a point where there were so many people in the room that you just have to make sure no one's like kicking each other. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I know it starts at six, but for some reason, Michal's in there at like 4.30 in the morning. So I don't know how that works. <laughs> I think they gave well, her a key. It, what was amazing is she would come in. I mean, it was very, talk about discipline. She would come in. Oh, she's hardcore. Yeah, I can't compete with her. I can't just be open, but she was spending that alone time doing her sun salutations, doing her... You know, the stuff that is really good to be doing on your own because you're really connecting to yourself. And, and what was cool about what she did is then by the time the teacher walked in, she was at the postures where she needed assistance. I remember her taking, I was teaching a 6 a.m. hot class right before she like dove into Ashtanga. And I remember her taking it and exactly where she was. And like, like I could, I could like feel her being like, I was like, she's going to be one of us. <laughs> <laughs> or you yeah. maybe you like dart you, you did like Jedi mind tricks on her. You will come to Ashtanga. I didn't, I and, didn't. <laughs> you will love Ashtanga. I will love Ashtanga. <laughs> you will wake up at three in the morning and be in the studio before the lights turn on. So wow. Do, do you guys still teach any other types of yoga? Do you guys ever do classes like vinyasa classes or whatever? We're still doing. We were doing them on Zoom as well. But yeah, we're, we do our. We have like basic classes like we have one tonight at six and then we do vinyasa. vinyasa he was teaching he has a very successful like hot power movie. yeah he just turns the music up and shouts the poses yeah out. because yeah because i mean everything you describe about your ashtanga practice is all is all true but i mean before i ever walked in ashtanga room i just knew you were the guy with like the grateful dead t-shirt playing like zeppelin and you know and and teaching yoga class like that was like that's the ashtanga guy and he was like yeah that's him <laughs> i was like oh he's what he did with the hot stuff, I think, was pretty genius and based off of Ashtanga, really. He kept the sequences. Exact. So let's say his old Monday night class, which used to be like when we first met. I mean, that class, you had to have the tiles. At Pure Yoga, when the classes would sell out, you had to have like tiles so that, you know, no, you wouldn't sneak into the class because it was that packed. So, and I remember the first one I took, the lights are dark. The music is super loud. And, you know, your first one, you don't know, you don't know what it is. Everyone in the room knew exactly what they were doing. It was like a choreographed dance. And I'm like, what is this? And it's because he teaches, even though it's not an Ashtanga sequence, but he would teach the same sequence every right. week in those specific classes. Right. So people would memorize it. And then it became, you know, it's that same idea as you're like losing yourself in your sequence. Right. 
Ju- Julia does it d- does the same thing. Her class is like that also, you know, with the music and it's it's a lot it is a lot of overlap with Ashtanga and it's the same pretty much when you go to her class, you know what to expect. So it is there is that predictability aspect to it. I guess maybe that's uh, you know, that's one of the, and also it's the right time of day for me. But um so so do you guys do any other exercise besides yoga? I know Scott you were you were mountain biking until it, you know, ruined your brain, but were you are you doing anything else? I've done Five New York City Marathon. Right, oh, that's right. You guys are runners. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. So I, I, I try to do, you know, I, I, I what's it's hard because we're not doing the marathon this year, but I tried to raise money for um, Fred's team every year to um, help Sloan's Kettering out. I mean, we did last year. Last time we did it was how much? Let's close to eighty. Eighty thousand dollars, and then yeah, we're gonna do it this year again. And then Jamie's brother caught cancer um, at a very young age. He has stage three, four, four, excuse me, lung cancer. Yeah, he, he's doing okay. He's on the hotel, but he's there. So we like, we actually already raised over $30,000 for so, Yeah, we signed up for the marathon with him. They were planning on walking. And, Still walking. So we, <laughs> we raised a lot of money already for that as well. But that was just sort of my way of giving back. We're how it all came back around to our family. Have you been running at all or just not because of this? Yeah. I have been running. I just started up. Like a month ago? Yeah, a month ago. When, when the numbers started getting better, I felt more comfortable going out, so. Got it. Wow. And Jamie, do you and you were all, you're also running, or you were? I don't really like anything but yoga. I do it reluctantly. I'm walking with my brother right now because he still wants to do it, so I'm so I'm doing it. I I just tend to get strong quickly, so it, I I like being flexible. So I, my muscles, when I do too many other activities, like I strengthen up very fast. So I I I prefer to just stick to the yoga, but I, I I'm happy to do it with him. Got it. Got it. So I, I I wanted to, you know, this is all, it's so fascinating. You know, one of the things I've really enjoyed about doing these podcasts and speaking to different, you know, yogis and instructors and just how many different angles there are to come to yoga and to practice it and what people get out of it. And it's just so varied. And that's why I'm one of the, I'm one of the, you know, a big proponent of it for that reason that I, I, like you said, you know, Ashtanga's for everyone. I mean, all the more so yoga's for everyone. There's just so many opportunities to to do it. But one of the other things that I've been asking people is, you know, you've, you guys have been in this world for, you know, 20 plus years and you've seen so many people come through and you've learned your own. What is yoga, yoga, or if you want to say specifically Ashtanga yoga taught you, I'm going to ask you a few things, but first about just about people, you know, your understanding of other people. It's It's really interesting to get to know someone on an energetic level in the classroom as opposed to more of a what I want to say like like a friendship type thing you don't realize you know what the individual you don't know who or where this person has come from or what they've gone through and so you're working with them and you're trying to be very you know careful about certain things because you don't want them to basically have a meltdown in your room so I think it's, it's, it's taught me to not be as I want to say judgmental. I don't look at someone and say, oh, they're just, you know, they're an upper class, whatever, upper west side, you know, it's it's almost like grounding. It, it puts everybody on the same, same level playing field, right? Because it's like we all have different kinds of trauma, really. So when you're coming into a room and you're all moving and breathing, stuff is going to come out. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is, like, we all have stuff and I think I think one thing that Ashtanga even with all the other yoga experience I had had what Ashtanga 
taught me and and what impresses me about watching others is the 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 faith the the faith to keep going yeah right so it was like for that yoga was a little bit more I definitely felt a release I definitely felt the physical sort of like what I said things being released in my body and feeling lighter and feeling freer but there was something about really coming back and facing the same sequence with the same group of people and like watching them do the same thing that is just incredibly incredibly motivating and and I, I don't even know, I, I mean, I, I guess you could say spiritual. I mean, it's beyond, it's, it's, cool. it's beyond words, really. It's just like, it makes me excited to wake up every day. So, yeah, I mean, awesome. it, it's cool. I mean, you see, I mean, you see so many different people who you would, or you would think are very different and everyone is different, obviously, and comes from different places. But like you said, sort of, they all show up at the same starting line and they're all going through, particularly with Ashtanga, the same sequence and they're doing the same things and having the same you know challenges and struggles as the person next to them and that it's it's just it's just unifying it sort of brings people together it's one of the nice things also i think ashtanga you go into ashtanga you know studio i mean like you said there's some differences but almost anywhere in the world it's going to be pretty similar it is true the beauty behind it but you know and nate the the other thing that i i really really incite heavily in my teacher trainings and stuff is i always tell you know, my, my teacher training, so I end up being my assistant and stuff, is never put yourself up on a pedestal. Always be the student. You know, you can learn from other people as much as you can learn from you. So if you listen and you watch people, you'll, they'll actually teach you to be a better teacher yourself. Wow. And so I was going to ask you, what what has all this taught you about yourselves, turning it inwards? I would say Ashtanga Yoga taught me that I am much stronger than I ever thought before I before I came to Ashtanga Yoga. I am much more capable. I am much more, I, I mean, when I first started, Scott was like, oh, you're going to teach like very soon when I walked in. And I was like, I, I had been through a teacher training before I dropped out halfway through. Yoga was already my private, you know, happy place. What Ashtanga let me do was share it with other people or, you know, that room allowed me to feel safe and strong enough to look at somebody else and be like, no, you can do it. Come on. Come on. We're all going to do it together. You know, it's more personal. You can sit next to someone. You're not facing an entire class. Yeah. But now I can face an entire class too. You know, I mean, I, I think it just really helped me come out of, I mean, I know you were saying internal, but it really actually helped me come out of my shell and be able to serve other people in a way that I wanted to, but I just wasn't capable of before. That's really cool. That's great. I don't know. I give Scott some credit for that. I don't know if it was all a shot yet. Yeah, no, it's definitely the it's Scott Scott's uh, concussions led to all of this. <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. You know, truth is, I mean, for me, the, I had such a big ego when I first started teaching and practicing yoga just from being, you know, a competitive racer. That it, it taught me how to let go of that sort of, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best. I can do this. Now I'm just like, okay with where I am. You know, it doesn't really affect me whether I can do a posture that I did, you know, 10, 15 years ago anymore. I'm right. Happy with where I am. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. What, what great lessons. I would do all of them and laugh <laughs> at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all good. Well, thank you so much for this time and for you know talking about you know yourselves and Ashtanga and 
you know, your experience with it. It is a really cool practice, advanced in the sense that you can go as far as you want, but it's it's for beginners also. I'm I'm living proof of that because I was able to go in there and, you know, survive and I'm on the beginner end of things. I know you guys are doing it online. Hopefully one day it'll be in person again. You guys were at Pure Yoga and their Ashtanga open practice room. And uh, if people, you know, are, are looking for either a new way to do yoga or new to yoga itself, or they're, they've been doing Ashtanga, but want to, you know, try with some experts. Jamie and Scott Herrig are amazing. And thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank Great. you for having us. Yeah, thank you, Nate. Fun. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.